Triple Zeros, I'm your host, Josh Buckhalter. Follow me on Twitter at Josh e. Buck. Hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports, the website, clockersports.com, and the email address is clockersports at gmail.com. Man, tonight's episode, we're going to start off a little bit more of the same. I'm sorry, I hate to do it to you, but I got to do it to you. We've got more COVID-19 uh, NBA restart Orlando bubble dropouts, as we see now. Wilson Chandler has opted out. Um, we've He's also been joined. Now, the Nets have just been ravaged by this whole restart thing. And I'm not just talking about uh, people opting out and injuries. I'm just talking about the noise, period. Kyrie Irving was at the center of all the controversy of whether or not the restart should be happening. Um, and then you had players subsequently be, you know, be ruled out or uh, have come down tested positive. Spencer Dinwiddie and DeAndre Jordan both have tested positive. DeAndre Jordan has already said that he's sitting out to remain with his family. Um, that's the reason why Wilson Chandler be sitting out, not for testing positive, but rather to uh, protect the health of his family, he said. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie is still on the fence, which is odd. Dinwiddie, his he, you know his cases, he's gone from talking about putting uh, his contract up for sale to trying to put uh, a sponsor on his jersey for some money to now being positive for COVID and still being iffy on whether or not he's going to go. By the time they go down there, he should be uh, able to to participate as long as he does the fourteen day and all that. You know, going down to Florida, you have to do that anyway. So, um. It's not out of the realm that he could still play. It's just it's again he's had he's had a very active offseason. Chandler will be replaced by Justin Anderson. Um, but as I said, Brooklyn has just been decimated. They've already lost uh they won't have Kyrie. Um they won't have their rookie center Nick Nick Claxton. He's out for I think rotator cuff surgery. I know he had surgery. Um K D won't be playing. I mean they they just don't have a chance. So um it's it's this isn't a, a great list of players, right? You're not losing top guys here, but you're losing enough guys to where I think, um, like I said before, and you start to see this thought process kind of prevail in that no matter what happens, no matter who wins, it's going to be an asterisk by this. And now Taylor Rooks put it great. Uh, there's, there's not, it doesn't mean that this is any less difficult or any more difficult than any other year, but it's certainly different. And because it's different and an outlier, you have to put an asterisk by it because there are special circumstances surrounding whoever wins this championship. So um, that's just that point blank period. Now, again, like I said, these aren't big name players at this point, but you're, you've also had guys on some other teams who are like Avery Bradley of the Lakers. Uh, he's on a contender. Um, they are subsequently signing J.R. Smith to take his place. We know Dwight Howard was having some doubts about uh, returning. It's it's not again like I said it's not going to be the big names that are going to disrupt that are going to disrupt returning. It's the fact that you have so many different variables in this that there's no way you can look at it as any type of a a normal championship, no matter who wins it. And that's that's not a knock on anybody. That's not to give anybody a boost when they do win it. Seriously, it really isn't saying it's not a pejorative. It's not saying that it's bad. It's just a term to describe it. Right? The asterisk is just letting you know that these are special circumstances and. Anybody that would say otherwise to all of this is clearly not paying attention. Now, the other notice, uh, interesting part about this is the first guy who got everything shut down, right? Rudy Gobert, who was out here being all reckless, touching microphones and things of that nature. And 
he recovered. And so that was the signal to a lot of important people that, you know, everything's back to normal. The NBA should be able to go down there and that bubble, quote unquote, because it's not really sealed as, as much as they want to tell you it is. Um, Gobert's health, you know, these are the healthiest guys um, in the in the world and, and they're world class athletes. And this is what their, you know, their job is to go out, you know, all those, you know, you know, those lines. So anyway. Rudy Gobert comes out and says that, uh, well, you know, his taste and smell still aren't 100%. Taste is more or less back, but his smell is only good close range. You can't smell things from afar. Now, I will concede that that's not the worst lingering side effect, and hopefully he'll recover from that fully uh, regardless. I can't argue that it's not the worst, but I'm also not, I can't make a valid argument that I should, that anybody, no matter what their profession is, that they should go and risk some part of their health to entertain me. I'm sorry, that's just weird. It's just, it's just a weird thing to even suggest in my in my view. I know I'm, I'm, there's a lot of people who feel that way, and I'm not saying that they're weird. I just find that that view kind of odd because um, while you can argue that that's their job, I would argue that their job isn't necessary in that in that regard. Now you want to say, oh, we pay them so much money. Well, that's a whole other conversation altogether. But my point is, if Gobert, after all this time, again. I don't know if he's patient zero. There's still some debate on whether or not it was him or Donovan Mitchell who actually started, but whatever. We, From what we can gather so far, what we know <laughs> is that it's Gobert as patient zero. If patient zero is telling you that he's still not completely recovered from it, and this is, again, a guy who doesn't really, uh, who doesn't really have any pre-existing health conditions that we're aware of is telling you this, right? God forbid there's somebody out there who doesn't, who has one that we don't know about. Then you got the separation from families for months. And if you do bring the family out, the family has to stay down there for months. Maybe they can go back and I'm not going to say they're staying out there for months. I'm not sure about that part. But you won't even be able to bring the family down until you make it into like the first round of the playoffs or pass the first round of the playoffs or something like that. Fred Van Vliet wrote about how this is the worst possible time and how he's unsure. You know, he's, he's decided to ultimately go play, Um, I believe. It's just, it's, it's, there's a lot of back and forth and a lot of variables. And I think that, the problem comes in when people on the outside start looking at these guys strictly as their profession, strictly as what it's. And you know, we're not going to get into any other areas where that might be an issue. But in this era, in this instance, it's an issue because obviously these are are issues that would affect anybody, right? You can argue, oh, oh, I've been going to work all this time. Yeah, your job's probably a little bit more necessary than going out and playing basketball. I, I and this is coming from per, a person who would very much so prefer there be live sports right now. I can't sit here and say that I would want that to come at the cost of somebody's senses. That's that's senseless in, in, in my view. I, I can't sugarcoat that any other way. Again, I know there's many people who are going to argue that they're healthy guys, but I, he's, he's, he still can't smell all the way. Like, come on, man. That's just, that's a, that's a weird thing to be wanting to give up for somebody else. Right. For your, for, for, you want it, you want them to give it up for you, so you can be entertained. That's that's. I'm sorry, not sorry, but you know. Anyway, I'm in other news. Anthony Edwards, incoming guard out of Georgia. Anthony Edwards has signed with Clutch Sports. Now, if you know Clutch Sports, listen. LeBron James and, and Rich Paul are out here doing things. The empire grows, and it got me to thinking. You know. I was having this conversation on Twitter with my guy, Black Guy Wayne. That's his uh, Twitter handle, shop with him. When you see something like this, all you can think about is what's going to happen after the after 
his play career. Like we talked on the last episode about if the Lakers can get Trey Young and they can win something with LeBron in the front office or an ownership group, whatever. I had to think about what could happen when LeBron does become an owner because he's that's 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 going to happen. That's like almost a foregone conclusion at this point. The roster that Clutch has is can make a team multiple times over. Now they currently have 31 listed players. This is uh, according to Real GM. I didn't. That's the, the numbers that are there. Uh, the players that are listed there. 16 franchises represented. There are five Lakers, including uh, LeBron and Anthony Davis. You got uh, Kentavious Caldwell Pope, Taylor Horton Tucker. Then you got two Cleveland Cavaliers and uh, Darius Garland and Tristan Thompson. Then you have three Oklahoma City Thunder players, two San Antonio Spurs, Montrez Harrell and J- Draymond Green of the Clippers and the Warriors, respectively. Those last two are very interesting to me because we already saw Draymond go out and do the the public speaking, um, the video wearing the clutch gear. Uh, saying that LeBron, his his resume is impeccable, and the things that you would expect somebody to say on Team Bron, um, that's neither here nor there. It's a, t- a conversation for another day. <laughs> um, but having Trez and Draymond, two really energy, spirit, hustle, heart guys, right for opponents, for for key opponents. Now Draymond's situation is interesting because there's a good chance that he'll be gone next year. He'll be somewhere else. Not not high. Good. No. Not 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 a. How do I put it? Not a really good chance, but there's still a, a very significant amount of chance. More chance than you would have said a couple of years ago. Um, that's probably a cop-out way to say it, but that's how I'm going to leave it. He could end up in a situation where he might need some help. You know, maybe he joins LeBron. I, I don't see that happening too much. I don't think their styles uh, mesh well enough at all to see that happen. But it, it's these are guys who, if they are if they are still there, Trez still stays in uh, with the Clippers. It's just an interesting dynamic, right? To have the co-founder, basically. We know, like, for all of the all the the props given to Rich Paul for seeing a vision and, and and being who he is, making himself into who he is, we can't deny the impact that LeBron has had on that success. And I think that's the one of the things that you notice the most, um, or what you think about the most when you see a situation like Trez and Draymond, like. I don't know. I just I just think those inroads are going to be a lot easier when the time comes to where these teams aren't built to last because you got the management group of an active player really snatching up bodies. John Wall, um, like there's there's a long list of athletes who are who are in the NBA, uh, in the G League, overseas, all those type of things, and. Again, I told you, like I said on the last episode, LeBron's path to the GOAT probably isn't going to be completely on the floor. It's going to have to be possibly another ring on the floor and then doing something front office or, or uh, ownership-wise. And if he goes ownership-wise and he can, listen, for all of his accomplishments on the floor, the one thing that Michael Jordan has not figured out is ownership and how to how to operate a franchise like that. People want to rag on him for the Wizards years, and I, I might still do that piece for Pippen Ain't Easy about how uh, – how his wizard years weren't nearly as bad as people wanted to make it seem, but uh, <laughs> maybe maybe that'll come out some sometime soon. But with the Hornets, oof, it's been rough, man. Uh, can't get right is probably the best way to put that, and hopefully they figure it out soon because again, Mike deserves to get another championship one way or another. But not the way they operate, the way they draft, the way they give out money down there in Charlotte. It's just not going to uh, happen anytime soon. So that's not a good a good look at all. 
And uh, before we switch up, go take the break and go over to the NFL. So I do want to recap that article I did release a couple of days ago for Pippin Ain't Easy, um, where I talked about pairing up Zach and Kobe in the backcourt. And what I found was, and it's, it's confirmed by what I saw in the iTunes. I had talked about it for a while, but I got to actually dig through the numbers of it uh, for this article. And what I saw prior to the article was a lot of times they just were kind of content, uh, competing with each other. Really, Kobe was out there trying to find a shot and just shooting green light, ultimate green light. And Zach was almost trying to maintain his control over the shot distribution. What I mean is you would have situations where Kobe would be really hot, honestly. You know, he'd be hitting two, maybe three in a row, and then Zach will come down and, and pull an odd jumper. Now, Zach's shot selection has never been a strong point. But it seemed to be compounded when Kobe was on the floor because you really lost all of your playmaking from the guards when the the off guard at the time is kind of just standing around. Maybe that was a function of the offense. Hopefully we'll, we'll see something different um, this coming season when they replace Jim Boylan. Long pause for dramatic effect. But if they don't, they need to at least implement some kind of a system where these guys are moving if they're not going to be having the ball all the time. They're not going to be passing uh, naturally. You need to kind of build some into the offense because they're just not doing it. And that was the focus of the article in that we, the fans, kind of demand have been demanding that Kobe start. They got their find their wish that he started. He didn't start with Zach, but he started. Um, and I'm not sure that it was it's it's going to be what people think, right? I think that it can work, but with the other pieces in that starting lineup right now, namely Lowry Markkinen, I'm not sure that you have exactly the makings of a of a of a winning team now. Will it be more exciting? Sure, but how much more exciting is it if you're still losing? Right. Like that doesn't I've, I, that argument doesn't really float with me. I've always found that kind of interesting because people have said that actually in response to this one, it'll be more exciting, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be winning. So that novelty wears off pretty fast. Devin Booker scores a lot of points. You think the Suns fans wouldn't trade a couple of those high scoring games for some actual W's. So let's not discount the the the, the quote unquote empty stat. Right. It's a real thing. Um, and then the Lowry part is because they're not great setup guys and because they are really volume shooters, um, Zach has kind of proven to be that. And Kobe is kind of, we're undecided, but it definitely seems like he's going to be along those same lines. Uh, if they're not feeding Lowry and he's not going to be aggressive enough to go in and, and, you know, demand the ball, you know, uh, uh, find his shot per se then he's kind of useless in this offense because you kind of have to focus in this league, in the NBA today, you're going to have to focus around your guards. And those two together need some more defense behind them. I think Porter's good. And I think actually Wendell's okay. I would like some more rim protection behind those two guys because they're not stopping a, uh, anything. They're not they're not busting a grape in a fruit, fruit flight. Ugh. That's why I messed it up. They're not stopping anybody <laughs> on defense, Zach and Kobe. Uh, Porter's good on the wing. You probably need another tweener there uh, to go out there with Porter to be able to cover the wing and somebody who can back up uh, dropping into the paint, not rim protect. Now, see, that's where that's where it gets really interesting because then you might end up being better off moving Wendell to the four like he wants if he can consistently hit the outside shot and putting a Daniel Gafford in the starting five. Listen, we're just we're we're just spitballing at this point, but just wanted to point out to that or point back to that article. Um, 
that there are there are perils, and that's the title, the perils of, of starting Zach and Kobe. Um, we we can kind of debate whether or not it's right for what again excitement, but is it the right move for the franchise? I'm not so sure at this point. Now, ultimately, I think it'll come down to being who's more valuable to the franchise. And while Zach right now has been has been involved in a lot of the offseason talks, don't think that that won't pivot in a heartbeat if the Bulls feel like this is a sunk cause. Now, I hope I'm proven wrong because Zach has kind of poured it all out there. I think they just need to build a better team around him, one where he's not the best player on the team and is not the one who's got the ball in his hands and making those kind of decisions down the stretch because that's where his – or in, in clutch situations, um, if it's not a shot, you know, I, I've, I haven't seen too many uh, – instances where he's making the proper play in terms of a pass and we know i just talked to you about the defense you know so check out that article pippin ain't easy and again it's not a it's not i'm not saying i'm against it completely but i'm just not so sure it's gonna be the gangbusters that everybody thinks it is and that's not got that's got nothing to do with taking kobe scoring off the bench or uh even really impacted by jim Boylan at all it's really just the playing styles of the guys on the floor and what we know about them um, as individuals. So that's something to keep an eye on. And uh, one that I really had fun looking at, because again, it backed up what I was seeing on the floor that they're just not, Oh, they were also getting outscored. Read the article. It's a really in-depth article. Going to take a quick break. And when I come back, we're going to switch gears, talk about the NFL and uh, my favorite player. So I'm already let you know I'm a little bit biased. It's all right though. Cause I can keep it right down the middle. I'll tell you what happened. <clears throat> in my breakdown. Don't go in Back now on Triple Zero, switching gears to the NFL. Again, follow me on Twitter at Josh Ebook, Facebook page, Clocker Sports website, clockersports.com, and the email address, clockersports at gmail.com. Now, just mentioned this man last episode and had a writer, Will, Will Clark, on the uh, Clocker Sports Network. You know how it is, man. He uh, wrote an article talking about what's happening in the offseason. Now, earlier in the offseason, I told you guys that quarterbacks would be dominating the headlines. And once again, it's proven to be true. But this time, it's one that I think a lot of people were telegraphing and hoping for and kind of projecting. And it actually came true. Cam Newton will be joining the New England Patriots. I'll let everybody calm down and let that uh, soak in because it's glorious. Now, <laughs> we know the Pats aren't favorites of anybody. Now, this is really just two polarizing entities. And that's that I actually wrote about that for Clocker Sports and that Cam Newton to the Patriots in 2020 especially. But it's perfect because it's the most polarizing figures individually and organizationally in football. And to have them come together in, at this juncture is perfect. The Patriots are looking to uh, reclaim their success, their, their place across the the the. They're looking to reclaim their place of the throne, really, in the football world. Bill Belichick, though, more importantly, is looking to prove that he can win without Tom Brady. Cam Newton is looking to, to prove that he can win and that he can do it in a in a more traditional sense. Now, I'm, I'm I guarantee you, the Patriots are going to kind of craft the offense around him, but I expect we will see a lot more traditional concepts in his game this season than we have seen in any of the years we saw him in Carolina. A lot of people want to knock him for being a run first quarterback, have no idea how often that was the problem. He was required to do so in Carolina on top of being surrounded by a poor cast in the offensive line and the weapons. He won't have either one in new England, honestly, at this point. Uh, But what he will have, I think is a much better 
staff in terms of putting him in a position to succeed. Uh, and for those who like to talk about Cam, you know, he, he's been hurt for the past year and a half. But when he started off 2018, the Panthers were 6-2. and two. Nick, Nixon, Nixon. Newton completed 67.3% of his passes, 15 touchdowns, 4 picks for uh, just under 1,900 yards. He added another 340-plus on the ground with 4 scores. Now, the rest after he got hurt, remember, he hurt his shoulder that year. The remaining of his six games, because he didn't play the last, so they shut him down. He completed 68% of his passes, but he only threw nine touchdowns to nine picks. He wasn't the same guy. Um, 2019, he only started the, or 2019 only started the first two games, and then he missed the rest of the season. When you look at what the Patriots have, the offensive line scares me more than the weapons. Like I said, you can still go out and, first of all, Nikhil Harry should take a major step forward. That's what young receivers do. And if he can take a step forward, I wouldn't be surprised to see Muhammad Sanu and Julian Edelman actually be more effective if that's your, if that is the three that they end up rolling out there with. I hope it's not. Um, maybe they go out there and get a guy like Antonio Brown. And before everybody scoffs at the idea, clearly Belichick is not worried about the attention that he's going to bring. Now, AB is a little bit much, so maybe that's that's probably a stretch. Maybe Josh Gordon comes back, but I would think that him and Nikhil Harry are kind of redundant in that, uh, in their 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 playing styles, and that you don't want to double them. But again, Cam's a guy who, if he's going to miss, he's going to miss high. So you probably do want some bigger guys. Who knows? We'll see what they do. You still got Sanu there, like I said. They they need a tight end more than anything, and maybe they. I don't know what they do because there's not really many uh, out there who are coming in and, and being contributors in a way that they're going to probably need. I would expect to see a lot of the running backs out of the backfield, a lot of Sony Michelle up the middle, and some quick passes. But that line, uh, Brady took 17 of his 27 sacks over the back half of the year. The line lost center Ted Karras, and they didn't add anyone in free agency or the draft until the sixth round, but they kept guard Joe Thune. So um, it's a mixed bag. Brady after he started off the year high, sixty four percent of his passes, twenty two hundred yards, thirteen touchdowns, four picks, but he finished throwing for eighteen hundred more yards, eleven touchdowns, uh, and four more picks while completing just fifty six percent of his passes. Really fifty seven, fifty six point nine. The Patriots went four and four over those final eight. If you remember though, their schedule got a lot tougher over that back half, and uh, that's what people were kind of talking about as they as they, as they went on that beginning six and zero or eight and zero streak, whatever it was that they started the season off. People were commenting constantly how they weren't really playing anybody and that we should probably not be uh, too excited or too quick to crown them yet. We saw what happened bouncing them in the first round of the playoffs. That's, that was kind of wild to actually to actually witness them going down to being so dominant so early on. But these are the reasons why I think Cam will win. Now, you've got to read the article to get the full breakdown of it. Again, that's the uh, Cameron Newton. Cam Newton and the Patriots are perfect. Uh, on clockersports.com. First of all, you got the coaching staff that's going to know how to maximize his talents and to the personnel that they have. Hopefully they upgraded, but I think that they'll still be all right. They were 12 and 4 last year. I don't think they're going to fall off 10 and 6 maybe. That's my that'll be my call for them. 10 and 6, I'll say. Um if Cam gets the job. And I think that as long as he's healthy, he gets the job. Sorry Jerry Slidham. Sorry Brian Hoyer. But there's no way that if Cam is healthy, he's not starting. I you don't need again this goes back to the publicity thing. They don't need it, so there's no reason to bring him in um, other than, okay, I will concede that the Patriots got their penalties for the recording of the Bengals. 
a 1.1 million and a third round pick. Again, that's that's a penalty and it's negative pub, but pub is pub, and it's not enough to warrant the smoke screen of signing Cam Newton. So you have the, you have that the staff, and even more specific, Josh McDaniels and what he did with Tim Tebow. Uh, again, that was a decade ago, but. I would have to imagine that he still has some of those concepts around and he's he's clearly a very smart uh, offensive coordinator and will know how to craft the offensive ca- to Cam's strengths. I think this could be a Tebow situation. They won seven games with Tim Tebow like and went to the playoffs and won a playoff game. Like, come on, man. With Tim Tebow. They got to do something with Cam. And this is all very rudimentary here, but the article breaks it down a, little, a lot better why I expect them to still, they still should have that top end defense, even though they lost basically their entire linebacking core. They pretty much replaced them all. Um, and I just can't see there being any other place that would have maximized cam, allowed him to, uh, sign, uh, for a chance to start and a chance to go and get a big contract next year. People were kind of hard on him for taking a big deal. Richard Sherman was very vocal about it being a kind of highway robbery and and said that he wanted to know how many MVPs, former MVPs, were out here signing those kind of deals, and Kurt Warner was put to chime in. I think I get the sentiment behind it. Cam has done a lot in this league, and people do kind of discount all of his accomplishments. But at the same time, I, as a listen, I'm a huge Cam fan. However, when you've been out for a year plus, and your MVP was, what, five years ago? You're gonna you're gonna have to take that prove it deal. Jameis took a, a, a discount to go play behind Drew Brees specifically. Um, Teddy got paid, right? So I mean, for for a small sample size. So I'm not I'm not here to to lament the size of Newton's contract because again, if now this was in comparison to Chase Daniels and Chase Daniels, excuse me, I should know that uh, because he's got a 13 million dollar total contract with the Lions. But if Cam hits his incentives, which I, which I expect him to, his one year will beat what Chase is making in one year. The conflation of the the salaries has been a, a major distraction in the fact that the Patriots signed Cam Newton. Like y'all getting distracted from what's the the real uh <laughs> what should be the object of your focus here, and that's the Patriots signed Cam Newton, fam. That's what's up. I just had to get that part out. Um. Yeah, I, I listen. Ten and six. I'm excited. Check out the article to see exactly why, though. Uh, Clockersports.com. Cam Newton to the New England Patriots is perfect. Before we get out of here, I have to hit on this one. Chicago Bears have been in the news, and it's been something other than quarterback talk. Yay! Listen, if you're a Bears fan, quarterback talk gets exhausting, and I participate in a lot of it, and I'm still uh, quite sick of it. So, um. Uh, a fresh take on what to talk about with the Bears and Brian Hanley of ESPN 1000 talked about the Chicago. This is a few days ago, last week sometime. Uh, talked about possibility of Chicago Bears moving to Arlington Heights. This is not a new concept. And Kevin Caddick and I hope I'm saying that right of the midway of the midway minute brought up the story of Arlington Heights before in the 70s. They tried to talk about moving there and during the Dicka era, and they were really just using it as a place to jockey with the uh, city of Chicago. Now the park district owns soldier field and the bears are only paying about 6 million in rent. So seeing them move right now, doesn't seem like it makes much sense. They don't get out of that at least until 2033. But if I'm not mistaken, I read that they have an, a clause that allows them to get out in a few years before that. So we'll see if they try to 
take it on. What I will say, though, is Arlington Heights is definitely not the place, if, if I had to say, which I don't, but if I had to say, I would probably pick against Arlington Heights. And it's not anything personal to the to the town. It's just out of the way. The other option that I was hearing bandied about was Evanston. Now, you might have something cooking there if, you, if you're talking about Evanston. Um, it's right up the listen, you if you've been to the north side of Chicago, you basically bump into Evanston on accident all the time. Uh when I lived there with my but with my sister, that's that's pretty much what happened to me. Walking in, you just be in Evanston. So I I that's not as bad. It's still far, especially if you're coming from the south. But it's uh, for me, this is selfish me talking, <laughs> right? I'd much rather go to Evanston or Arlington Heights, I would I believe. I have to look that up. I might be wrong about that. Maybe I don't want to go anywhere. But this all comes about because the Bears have the smallest seating capacity in the NFL because when they redesigned, they didn't want to knock down the pillars. But the design is so bad that now the historical status that was made, that was the reason behind keeping the pillars is now almost moot because the, the society wants nothing to do with the, with the situation. You also have the fact that they'll never be able to get a Super Bowl. So there's plenty of reasons to want to move. The feasibility doesn't seem there, and the likelihood seems even less. So um, while it's an interesting thing to talk about, I'm not a big fan unless they go to Evanston that we can talk. But even that, I, I still kind of iffy because it just doesn't seem like why. Just take it all down and try again. I don't understand why you wouldn't do that. I I I know you want to try to keep those pillars, but p- take the pillars down and move them out or something and rebuild right there. I that's I have to look into why that's not possible because I, that just seems ridiculous to me. Um, maybe they don't want to have the Bears play out of town again for a couple of years like they did when they had to go down to Champaign while Soldier Field was being quote unquote renovated. It wasn't renovated. It was a it was a reconstruction. They did it once. Do it again and do it right this time. Please don't be cheap. Please don't skimp out. I'm not so big on the retractable roof idea, but you fix the grass problem. You tried to fix the stadium problem before, so you were very aware that there was issues with these things. Fix it again. Get it right. Don't move out of the city, though. That's kind of nice to have them right there on the lakefront. The skyline in the background is beautiful. You, you don't get too many views like that, so uh, keep that up. One other little tidbit about the Bears. People are talking about, and I'm going to write this for last word of pro football. People are, are are picking sides on whether or not they were the Bears were right or not to uh, trade for Nick Foles as opposed to waiting out Cam Newton, and they don't put it that way. They really frame it as they pick Nick Foles over Cam Newton. Um, I'm going to point out a few reasons why that's a flawed set of lo- why that's a flawed logic, and the Bears were wrong, and it has nothing to do with Cam Newton, uh, at all. They were wrong for signing Nick for getting Nick Foles way before Cam Newton became available, uh, regardless of if Cam Newton ever came available. Period. So that's going to be something to keep an eye out for on last word on, last word on pro football coming out sometime tomorrow. Also, be sure to check out all the other stuff on Clocker Sports, including that Cam Newton article. Um, check out the No Countouts Wrestling Podcast. Be look on the lookout for T for Three. I will be appearing on the Punch in the Clock Podcast with my man's uh, Stephen Ryan. Also, check out writing from Will Clark, Travis Thomas, Eric Willowite. We're out here trying to do it, man. Clocker Sports, you know. Tell a friend. You know what time it is. Uh, until the very next time, that's going to do it for this episode, though. I am your host, Josh Buck. Also, follow me on Twitter, Josh D. Buck. Facebook page, Clocker Sports website, clockersports.com. Email address, clockersports at gmail.com. Until the very next time, man, you're a...